Jimmy James. Hey. Welcome to the Bay, bro. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I always wondered, like, when, you know, growing up in the Bay Area, I think about Seattle as being such the far north. Mm-hmm. But we're all Southerners to you guys, right? Uh, like, does the have you ever swam in the ocean here? Does it feel warm oh, to you? Oh no, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, let me tell you something. If I ain't got goggles on, I will not swim. <laughs> I was, you know, I tried swimming once and sunk to the bottom once, and I was like, oh, that was enough for me. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> ever since Jaws, right? Uh, that and and uh, getting in the water and almost uh, duck. Um, excrement. Oh yeah, hit me. It was it was rough. It was it was rough. <laughs> a, a lot of people like, I know I grew up swimming in the water here, and it's mm-hmm. real cold. A lot of people, I have a lot of family down in LA, mm-hmm. and they think of the bay as being like too cold to swim in. But then you go up to Oregon or you go up to Washington, and that's like mm-hmm. a whole nother level, man. Yeah, the first swimming experience was like Lake Washington, and yeah, I went too far, and it ended up at like not too deep but just enough where i was just like you know what this is and the duck poop got in the face i was like yeah this is that was the end of that no thank you <laughs> we'll see that so i was like i'll do swimming in the bathtub hell yeah oh yeah well we're here at the historic Sweetwater. Mm-hmm. uh you guys are about to go on stage they have mm-hmm. a nice little set just starting off a tour oh yeah i'm sure i'll just try to remember the notes yeah <laughs> what uh was there like a particular impetus behind this tour is is it a particular particular um, album or no i think it's just us you know um me coming back into the fold into the group mm-hmm. and so you know and then we just got um we just got with a booking agent um medicine house so we're under them now okay and uh we're just you know we're just going down the coast and seeing what happens you know just throwing caution to the wind and and uh, and playing certain places, and we'll see, you know. Awesome. I'm just trying our best, you know, but just, <laughs> just out there having fun, you know. It's just like that's the whole, you know, the point of it is just like you're playing music and just bringing the joy to people, you know. That's that's the greatest thing, you know, in in my book, you know, to me. I can't, you know, can't speak for everybody else mm-hmm. in the band, but that's how I see it, you know, so. How'd you get started in music? Uh, you know. I was banging away on my sister's drums, um, my my late sister's drums, and she had them, so I would just kind of bang away on those. Mm-hmm. And she had a little acoustic guitar, but I would mess with that a little bit. But And it wasn't until, like, I heard My Girl by The Temptations, and I heard I Second That Emotion by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, and those guitar parts really stood out to me. And but I still continued to kind of bang away on the drums until um, one day we were like uh, I was like sixth grade and a friend of mine was just like we all swapped instruments, you know, so I got off the drums. He got on the drums. I got on the guitar and I kind of was just like ding, ding, ding. And I just liked it ever since I said, man, I like this. I want to play one of these. Mm -hmm. And and it went from there. What was your first guitar? First guitar I ever owned was a it was like I think it was like. $20 $20 acoustic my mom got me. Okay. And it 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 it, it was really cheap, you know. It's just like the, the tuning pegs were really like not so good. So it's like <laughs> every time you tune it, it would break. Uh-huh. So it's like I had um, 
I had to get like wire pliers and try to tune it. But I didn't know a thing about tuning then, mm-hmm. you know. So Some I, unconventional tuning. Right. <laughs> unconventional tuning, whatever. It was out of key, you know, stuff like that, whatever. But it was, it was, it was fun. And of course, I busted every string, so I only had like two strings left. So all I could do is try to play the intro from Johnny B. Good. You okay, know? yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. all I could do. Which, which strings and, you? Uh, I had my E and my B, as I remember, and that's all I had. And I would, it was like I kept that as much as I could, and then go down the hallway trying to play. Of course, the vice principal, like, hey, get out of here! Mm-hmm. You're making much racket, you know. And we were just <laughs> like, I was like, whatever, you know. That was that was my whole thing. It was playing the acoustics. Do you when like even playing today when you have all all six strings. Do you still see those old patterns from when you were playing Pretty the Pretty much, yeah. I, I did that. And the funny thing is, when I started off, I started off playing left-handed because I thought that was the way to do. I thought, like, your, your writing hand is supposed to be your fretting hand. Hmm. So I didn't know that then. And then I was like, this is too hard. So I flipped it around and then played it that way. But You're right-handed? Yeah, I'm right-handed. Okay. Um, I can sometimes write with my left, too, you know, depending on what, you know, and I still can actually play a left-handed guitar with, like, with the strings left-handed. And really? Still play the chords upside down. But um, it was just, with that, it was really, it, it just, you know, I just didn't know anything. I was just, you know, I'm, st- well, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but uh, it was just like, you know, just I was just playing along, you know, trying to play along the records or whatever I could hear at the time, you know, and stuff like that. And then I wouldn't get a, like, electric until I got, like, a Harmony Rocket, which got at the pawn shop. I think it was like, maybe it was like, I don't know, maybe it was a hundred and some dollars. I can't remember exactly. And my mother, like, put it on layaway. So it was just like to pay it, you know, because we didn't have a lot of money, but... She put on layaway, you know, and I had that, you know, and then that was fun. The neck was bowed and mm-hmm. the jack caved in, but it was fun, you know. Right. I was just like, I was just like still still trying to play along to the records and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I had loved that guitar too, you know. How and old were you? Do you remember? I was probably so when I pretty much started was about, let's say like twelve, I think, when I started. And then I wouldn't really get one proper until like I was like 14, then okay. I got electric. Yeah. And then... What kind of amp were you playing it through? Uh, you know, I had got a a PV, if I remember correctly, it was a PV Renown 112 solid state. Okay. I remember. If I remember that, and it had two big speakers, that thing was huge to lift around. And I would go, like, one of the guys I knew was a guitarist, you know, he was an older guitar player, he was older than me, and I would go and watch his group play and he had this, he had a uh, a tube amp. I didn't know things about tube amps at that time. I said, man, why is your amp so much louder? You know, he's like, oh, it's tubes, you know. He's like, you got to get a tube amp. And that's when I understood. And his amp was like, you know, mm. this big, Impact. you know. Yeah. It was like Music Man, I believe. And it was loud. And I was like, what is this? I didn't know they could be that loud. But that's when I understood about tube amps, you mm-hmm. know. So I went with that. And then I had got an Ibanez. I didn't really, you know, I had for a minute, but then the guitar I would later get, and it's the one that's on stage right now. Um, My mom got it for me because she's like, we're going to get you a brand new one because we know you really want to play. And so I kept looking around. I was at the guitar shop, American Music, out in Tukwila, South Center, sorry. It's no longer at that location anymore. But um, 
I remember I kept walking around. I kept looking at it. I kept like, oh, I want it. Uh, and I just kept, you know, and I was like, and you know, I never asked my mother for much because I, I didn't really want anything, you know. And she's like, I see you keep looking at that guitar. Go grab it and put it on the counter. Mm. I said, but mom, how am I going to afford it? She's like, don't worry about it. She's like, you don't ever ask for much, so you, we'll get it. And I was like, I was like, and she put it on the counter. That's my baby. You know, I named her after my favorite uh, blues singer in the whole world, uh, Bessie Smith. Bessie I call, Smith. But I call her Bessie, though, you know. So there you that's, go. that's the name I got. But yeah, sorry, sorry to go on. No, on that's beautiful. Now. That's really cool, man. Is, was that the first, like your first guitar where you were like, all right, this is like, you're right, I'm going to stay with this one? Like, that's this is, the one. Yeah. Like, I just knew, like, you know, it's what I always say, like, with guitars, you know, and I've always said this. The name, you know, or whatever you see, you know, where people will tell you, hey, you should go get this, you should get that guitar. That's that's not really how I think about it. It's like a guitar is supposed to be, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to gather my words, but <laughs> um, with guitar, it should be an extension of your personality, extension of you, period, you know, of who you are as a person. And whether the, wherever the name may be, Eh, you know, it depends, you know, to each their own, you know. Um, but it should be that type of guitar where it says everything you can't say with your voice sometimes. It says within. And it should make you, when you pick it up, you should be able to smile. You could have the worst day, but you pick it up, it makes you smile. It makes you create things that you, you're thinking about or improve upon them, but think of things, improve, oh, sorry, sorry, I messed that up. Um, <laughs> it's all good. It, it will make you create things that you hadn't thought about. And it's all about like whatever you're feeling, if you're feeling sad or you're feeling happy or you feel, whatever that may be, you, when you pick it up, it's just, it just says everything. It's like an extension. It's like your arm, your leg, or whatever, it's part of your, your anatomy. And it can do that in that way, you know? And that's the way I look, that's the way I look at it, you know? But I mean, sorry, I can't get, I'm really bad words. But no, sure no, you're good. You know. How, how do you, uh, when you think about playing guitar, how do you conceptualize it? Like what's the role of the guitar in the ensemble in your opinion? You know, I just look at it more of like choral but rhythmic, you mm -hmm. know. And that's what I think of it, you know. And it's just, you know, there to serve whatever the song may be. And that's in any situation that I'm in, whoever I'm playing with. It's like not necessarily about me. It's more about what serves the music and how I've always looked at it musically is when playing, and, and Victor Wooten was talking about this, people are not coming to hear your theory. They're coming to how to hear how, uh, how you make them feel. And, and he's right about that. And from where I stand in the music realm, like what I think of when playing, it's not so much the audience knowing about me. It's more me knowing about them, you know, playing to the room, you know? What energy are they feeling today? You know, and you try to tap in on that, you know. Sorry if I'm stepping away from the mic. No, you're um, good. But knowing about them, like, what what makes them feel good? It's kind of like there was a good James Brown quote 
um, that he talks about, like, and it kind of situates music. He's like, when people go to church, they're not whether you're religious or not, you know, um, when they go to church, they're they go there not to gain troubles. They're trying to lose them, and that's how I look at it, you know. And it's just like, and with music, you want to bring people in. And as my mother taught me, it's like you bring people in. It's like bringing people into your home, you know, and. You know, you're like, okay, come into my house. I want to give you some drink. I want you to feed you. I want to feed your soul. And that's that's how I look at it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and we're just all having a good time. It's like you come to the house. We're we're having food. We're having a party. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's letting the hair down, take the shoes off, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what that's how I see it, you know, in that realm. But that's yeah. So what was the first group that made you feel that way? Can you remember? Wow, uh, I remember high school band and most high school bands at that time I still I think they are but most high school bands play jazz you know majority of in, in Seattle and our high school band we wanted to play more like James Brown Wilson Pickett that sort of yeah. stuff and so we want you know people to like move and you know instead of just sitting there watching and you know like <laughs> doing that sort of thing you know like Undeniable. Right. Like, we wanted to play music that we would dance to ourselves. You know, it was like, oh, we hear this. Okay, we're grooving. This feels good. Okay, let's play some music that grooves us. And so we would do that. And uh, that was like, I won't reveal my age, but okay, maybe I will. Um, (laughs) uh, 96, as I remember. Okay. And the group was called Blue Attitude Jazz Band. Even though we didn't really play much jazz, we played more, you know, funk funk and, and like rhythm and blues type stuff. And um, we we played together, and we just, that's all we could think about is just that, you know, listening to James Brown, listening to Cool and the Gang, you know, all that stuff. We came up with our own stuff, uh, even, like, we did uh, the rhythm section, ended up doing our own recording. It was the first recording we ever did. I still have it, actually, really? by the way. Um, not that I'll let everybody listen to it, no. <laughs> but it's on a compact disc. Um, and when we... Uh, we played that. We we started with the band, and they were like, "Let's just do it this way." And we recorded it onto a tape. I remember exactly. It was March of '97, as I recall, and we had a four-track recorder, two mics on the drums, one mic on the bass, one mic on the guitar amp, and that was it. And we recorded it. And um, I don't know if I should say this, but at the time we did little recreational activities, <laughs> um, you know, little little smoky smoke, little inspirational but, essence. Right, we did that. You know, I mean, I can say that now, but it was, <laughs> it was. Uh, I hope I don't get banned for saying that. <laughs> but um, we did that, and we recorded it, and it was like some mistakes here and there, but we remembered it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and and. Uh, Played that recording because I was so happy, and then my mom heard it, and she was like so happy. So she put it in the car and listened to it. We were listening to it all the way to the store, and we were really—I was really excited uh-huh. about it. And it's funny, I came across that recording like just recently and listened to it. And I was like, wow, the, the butterflies and the feelings all came back, you know, nice. from that. And still can remember how to play it, still, yeah. you know, awesome. and stuff, you know. But of course, you know, I was only what 15, 16 then, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was, but I loved it. It was, and I still. I still draw from those moments and how, you know, it was, you know, just going back and even the bass player who played in the group, I still talk to him and we 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 laugh about it, you know, and talk about it like 
man, that was so long ago, you mm-hmm. know? But it was fun, you know? It's super fun, you know? It's, so. it's funny how those... Uh, there's like a... Almost think of it like a river stone. Mm-hmm. Like, you make your first recording, mm-hmm. you know every wrong note when you're listening back to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're hyper aware of like everything, every mistake you're making. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get that take where everyone's like, I can live with this take. Mm-hmm. But over time, like all those rough notes kind of get worn down. Right. And like, I, I remember, you know, the first album me and my brother did with our band. Mm-hmm. And I made some mistakes. I was trying to play organ and, you know, I was mo- used to playing a Nord. So playing a real B3, it was like different Ooh. action, you know? And, uh, and I remember feeling like so much, so much emotions coming up listening back. I, I the song sounded great. I felt good about it, but I was also mm. hyper aware of the shortcomings or the mistakes. Uh, but we finished it, and mixed and mastered it, and you know that was like probably seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it, you know, every every couple months. I pull that pull the album back out, mm. and it's like as the time wears on, I get more and more stoked. I'm like, yeah this works like this sounds like music like this is cool like it's funny how that works out but the thing is also even if you play with those mistakes it's like if you like i always used to say if you played that mistake and you felt it Mm -hmm. it wasn't really a mistake i like that you know you just felt it in the moment you know and it was just like you sit there and you're like and it's like ah but but i felt that so it felt good you know Mm -hmm. and you just go with it you know and i mean everybody's probably somewhere every artist your favorite artist, probably there's recordings where you would never know. You're like, oh, I didn't know there was a mistake. Like uh, Hendrix was, I think it was uh, Mitch Mitchell or No Redding was talking about. They did Wind Cries Mary. And the version, I don't know how many people know this, but the version that they did, they were like, they did it. They said, oh, there was a ton of mistakes. So they recorded another version, but it didn't have the same feel. Mm. So they released the one that we all hear now with all the mistakes. Now, the thing is, we'll never know what those mistakes are because all three members are gone now. So they only knew what that was. Right. But we will never know, you know. And, you know, that's the beauty of it. I love that song, of course. I don't know what the mistakes are, mm-hmm. but they knew where those were. And we'll never know, you know, what that is. But at the end of the day, you know, as long as you play with you feel, like a great quote I've heard by the great uh, late James Jamerson, who played on every great Motown record from My Girl to What's Going On, you know, you know. And he told his son, and I remember I was watching Stanislaus in Motown, and his son was talking about it. He said, uh, it was James Jefferson Jr. who mentioned it. He said, uh, to his son, if you don't feel it, don't play it. Mm. And I said, that was enough for me. You know, I was like, <laughs> that's all you had to say? I was like, that was the most genius quote from a genius basis, you know. Uh-huh. And hearing that, and it just made me listen to music a whole different way because, you know, I didn't know much about him until, you know, I was listening to those records. I was like, man, who's the guy on the bass killing it in the background? What is he doing? He's doing these, he's doing these things I had never heard before. And I just was, I wanted to know more about him. And then when I started doing research and I heard that, I was like, that makes sense. Everything he played on, he felt what he was playing. Yeah. And it just, and it rang true through all of that. And, you know, and that's just, you know, I mean, that goes with any art that you do, you know, whether it's music, whether it's drawing or whatever, as long as you feel it and that's in your heart and you and only you know what's in your heart, 
that it is. You know, nobody else can speak for you on that. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's just you. And uh, that's how I see it, you know. But like I said, to each their own. Everybody does their thing differently. And that's what makes the world a unique place, you know. For sure. You know. How would you, uh, how would you explain the pocket to someone that uh, never played an instrument before? If I had to say it, pocket, it's like, of course, I'm, I'm going to quote James Brown. Like, you know what I mean? Like, James <laughs> Brown. Right like, James Brown, like, if it's on the one, that that's it. Like, if James Brown goes like this, you like, like you get off the tune. You're like, okay, you take a song like Superbad. And he's like, one, two, one, two, three, hit it. Bow. You know what I mean? It's like, that pocket is so strong yeah. that you you can't you you you're every part of you like they say back in the day, uh, don't let you know uh, don't let your backbone slip. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that whole thing. And it's just like the pocket. That pocket makes you want to move every part of you. You know, from your head down to your feet, your hips, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's it's a rhythm. You know, it's a rhythm. It's a it's on the one. It's just like you can hear a pocket. You could like. Heck, you could take an unbalanced washing machine and it's just going kaboom, 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 kaboom. There's a pocket right there. Right. Your heart. Do, I love do, that. Yeah. Do, 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 uh -huh. There's a pocket. There's a rhythm, you know, and and it's it, it's just and it makes your head move. It makes your head, you know, like you hear something, you're just like ooh, 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 uh. And it's like that. See, you're moving your head right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And so that's and that's just what it is. It's just like and and James Brown, man. It's like not only just James Brown, but you know, you hear groups like, I mean, Dyke and the Blazers, mm -hmm. where they did you know songs like uh, they did a version of uh, with the showman called Tramp. Uh, they did that one. Uh, who else? I mean. You can even the soul stuff you heard, like you can take Mustang Sally by the Wicked Picket, and you hear that, mm -hmm. you know, it's like doom, boom, boom, boom. You're good. Boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. That's the pocket. Motown, same yeah. thing. You know, Motown, even though it's a pop label, you know, you hear a song like a uh, Shotgun by Junior Walker and the All Stars. And then right there, it's just like, oh shoot, oh, my shoulders start to move, your shoulders start to move. You're like, oh, this is good. Infectious, all right. And you're like, ooh, I get that. And then all of a sudden, you just. Yeah. It reminds me, you know, the first time I dropped LSD with my friends, we can talk about these things here in this modern day and age. We were up in the Sierras in the mountains. Mm -hmm. 11,000 feet. Right. And uh, there was this little ice lake uh, that would freeze overnight, you know, mm -hmm. melt during the day, maybe the size of an Olympic swimming pool or something. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to come on, and I walk down by myself, and I go uh, sit by the this little pond. And I get this sensation where suddenly I'm hearing... Uh, the sounds are all on separate tracks, like the sounds of nature, mm -hmm. almost like if you set it up in a recording DAW or something right. on separate tracks. And the first thing I hear is like 
this little uh, one particular rock and there's like a wave lapping at it mm -hmm. with a rhythm. And so that's going and I'm kind of grooving with that. And then over here on the left, my ears pick out like a little trickle of a mm -hmm. stream and it's almost like a percussion thing. Mm -hmm. And then I hear, you know, a splunk, a splash. Right. Next thing I know, I have a hole. There's a pocket all around me and I'm like beatboxing and singing. Right. And I ended up freestyling and grooving with this pawn for like 20 minutes, yeah. you know? And it was just like, in my mind, cause I, like you, I love the funk and the R&B. Like I had this like elemental mountain <laughs> R&B groove going with, with the lake, you know? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> it's, 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 it can be found anywhere. Like I say, you say you can find it in nature. You can find a tree that sways mm -hmm. to the wind and it can make a sound. And then you're like, what's that? Oh, I came up with that, you know? Little Richard one day, even though this is not considered nature, but he was, I think he was hearing a train coming down the track. You hear this. And all of a sudden he came up with Lucille. Hmm. You know, he starts singing that. And it just, anything, you could have a, you could be, like for example, if you got a rock in your shoe, right? Mm -hmm. It happens, we all get rocks on our shoes sometimes. You're walking down the street, the rock that's lodged in your shoe is hitting the concrete. So you're like, you're like, boom, clap, boom. Like you were talking about in one of your interviews about the, the boom, boom bat, bat. Yeah. right? I was watching that one. <laughs> and there's your boom bat right there. You're like, boom, clap, boom, clap. You're like, boom, clap, boom, clap. You're like, ooh, I'm on that. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh -huh. And it's just, and, and it, it becomes a, a, what my friend calls it, a mantra. When you get in that groove and you get in that, you get in that space right there. It's like, like you take James Brown, you take Fela Cootie, mm -hmm. right? James Brown, you know, James Brown will go to the bridge, let the musicians do their thing, and then kind of let them go, and then let them go back. Where like Fela, you know, he, um, you know, there could be a one chord groove that could last for 15 minutes. Oh yeah. But you have the same energy and the same thing happening. Because the repetition part is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, there's certain James Brown songs like he did a tune called uh, Honky Tonk Popcorn with Bill Doggett. If anybody's never heard it, you probably can't find it on Spotify, but you can find it on YouTube. And there's a 45 of it. And he's like, Honky Tonk Popcorn. And here come Bootsy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's just like... In the pocket. And he's just laying on that whole thing. And the drums are just like, Psh, you know, they hit on the one every time, mm -hmm. you know? And it was just that, you know? But then again, it, it can be found in nature. And that's the thing about the thing about music, just in my opinion, mm -hmm. like, it's it's wild where where it just came from, you know? Humans just came up with this. It comes out of thin air. We don't even know. You know, brains hold this, and brains, and it's even crazy how our brains hold what they hold, you mm -hmm. know? And it's just it's just a wild thing of how it just comes about. And it, you know, because I think I think they said music was supposed to be like a prayer to the gods, as they said. Um, at least that's what I read. I could be wrong. But do you need us to adjust the mics at all, Ryan? We're good? But we got the opening band warming up, so. Oh yeah, no, they're just they're uh, they're playing over there, so you probably gotta hear them in the mics. But it's okay. No, I but. wanted to I wanted to ask you, 
when you step out on stage, like let's say you're going to go sit in with a group mm-hmm. and uh, the band's going mm-hmm. and they got the pocket going, mm-hmm. as a guitar player, when you step into that, what is your, like, how do you find your your groove and, you know, like almost like a fish slipping into a stream? Like, mm-hmm. what's your uh, approach when, you, when you're stepping into a pocket? How do you join in? It's like, you know, as, as I was mentioning before, it's like, you know, trying to serve the music, whether if it's a jam or not, you know, it's just more of like using my ears and listening to everybody around me. Mm-hmm. Okay, if there's another guitar player, okay, he's playing that part. Okay, the horns are doing that part. Okay, they're doing that. They're doing that. So I'm, I'm not trying to necessarily fill up the space. I'm just trying to find a part that just is mi- minimalist, you know, but still adds a part to the tune. You know, you could sit there in the band and be like, I don't know, I if I made something up like, like um, boom, 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 I'm like boom, and that's it. I don't have to add too much. I don't have to be too busy because at the end of the day, we're all trying to hear each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And we all have our separate voices, but we're all having a conversation, not just each other, but everybody who's in the room. Yeah. We're all talking, you know? And, and it's like, I may not have much to say, but I'll say it in one note, you know, if I if that's the thing. I don't know, you know, if that's the good terminology, but it's more just, uh, I'll give you an example. One of my friends, uh, O.R. Arunga, he played with Macklemore. I remember watching this guy Take a three-note solo. It was the baddest solo I ever heard in my life. It was three notes. That's all he did. Hmm. He was playing something jam, and he was just, he got up. He's like, bet. I was like, whoa, what was that? What instrument? He was playing trumpet. Okay. And he got up, bet. I was like, ooh, 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 <laughs> ooh what was that? I was like, and he went, bet, and he was done. He put the horn down and walked off. I was like, the better solo I've heard in my life. You only played three notes. You felt it. And I felt that. I was like, three notes. He, that's all he had to say. He said all he needed to say in one note. Right. That was, I was like, and it changed everything I had thought of music when I heard it that way. And it was just, you can say, it's like having a conversation, you know? It's, it's, that's what it is. That's mm-hmm. what music really is. But it's a universal language where if somebody from another country may not speak the same language as you, and you can't understand them, or they can't understand, you know, vice versa. But at the end of the day, it's like we start playing, we understand each other that that's an A minor. Right. Or or a, a G major chord or whatever, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, you know. And that's, that's where music is. It's that universal language that I'm sure everybody can understand. You know, we all got a heartbeat, right? We're all drummers. That's exactly. what I like to say. That's rhythm starts there. Mm-hmm. Or was it was that song? Uh, what was it by Delight? Groove is in the heart. You know, there it is. You know, but I don't know. You mentioned you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned that you mentioned like groove and pocket. So I was like, mm-hmm. and I was like, wait a minute, I remember that tune. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I like what you said about you know those extended like Fela jams or the JBs. Mm-hmm. There's this phenomenon that I've noticed. You know, me and my brother, we kind of started doing these backyard boogies during the pandemic in our Mm -hmm. backyard. And I'm playing bass. He's playing guitar. I'm just, 
I just want to be in the pocket. I just want to, even if it's just like a one chord groove, mm-hmm. we go to these parties and we would start playing just a funk tune mm-hmm. and we would just sit in it for mm-hmm. five, six minutes mm-hmm. and just feel it. Just really, you know, maybe it starts with one thing and we're not really making many changes, mm-hmm. but over the course of that time, it's like the groove ripens. And suddenly the notes that we're playing, like there's like a new meaning to it. Like there's a new emphasis or, Mm -hmm. you know, a new flavor to it. And I think that's something that artists like Fela, you know, you listen to a Fela track and it's like the same three notes, but all of a sudden you're like, this means something completely differently than it did. That's all you need. Yeah. Like it's really all you need. Like it's funny you bring that up because it it, it comes to mind. There was a a thing we did one night at the Sea Monster and then some friends we were all playing. And we, we, we started playing uh, James Brown's Lickin' Stick, which is E-flat, there's no bridge, no nothing. It's just the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like the bass line is like, and then the guitar is like, and the organ's like, and we played that for 15 minutes straight. <laughs> 15 minutes straight, crowd was moving. They were like, mm-hmm. we didn't change a thing about it. I said, if we if we, if we we do it, it's got like what James Brown said in uh, Funky Drummer. He said, don't do no solar, brother. Keep what you got. Because if you turn loose, it's going to be a mother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's true. And so when you got that groove going, you're like, man, this mantra is hitting. This groove is hitting. And you know when you're sitting around with your friends, you're hitting them. Like, this groove is hitting. And you, and you know it's cooking. Because you, you, oh, yeah. you stir up that pot, that pot's getting oh, boiling. Oh, for sure. And you get that... Is that you get that stew going and you're like, okay, it's cooking right now. Everything's cooking. It's 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 cooking right now, and we're and everybody is feeling the crowd is like moving mm-hmm. and it's like, man, you don't want this song to stop. We can play this for 15, 20 minutes if we need to, but it's fun and then everybody's having a ball and mm-hmm. that's keeping that mantra going and you keep that cooking. Man, ain't nothing like it. It's undeniable. I mean, they, I remember this moment we were at this Halloween party and we're playing this. Ghostbuster funk kind of reimagined Ghostbuster, deconstructed, (laughs) if you will. Right. Uh, And I'm looking around the party, right? And we got a nice little group of people dancing up front by the stage. Mm -hmm. But the moment that it hit me, I look across the party and I see these two girls having a conversation. They're not even watching us, Mm -hmm. but they're like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, they don't even know that, that they're feeling it, but they can't not move. And that was the moment where I was like, ah, I'm doing right. my job, you know, like right. the music hits the soul. If and, people and are dancing, that's all right. that's that's what I want to make for music. Right. You know? And people and that's the that's also the groovy thing about it. It's also that when people come to a show, it's just like the thing about it is is like having people who they could have had a bad day that day, you know? You know, and I remember one situation I'll never forget, you know, not to get dark or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I remember there was a situation. I was at a, with this club we were playing at in Seattle, and there was a gentleman who told us later he had he had such a horrible, horrible day, horrible day, and he wanted to end his life. And he was that's what he was on his way to doing. He was going to go home and end his life. And he walked by, heard the music, drew him in. He's like, I'll just step in here for a minute. He ended up staying the whole night. And after that. He, you know, he said, man, I was on the way home to kill myself. You know, that's what he told me. 
And he said, but if I hadn't, you know, but then the music felt so enticing, I forgot how bad my day was. <laughs> nice. And he's like, and the man is still alive today. That's a good thing. Music know? saves. Right. It's a great thing. And if if, if we if you can, you know, change somebody either one way or another, if, if it's through music or it's advice, we're all talking amongst ourselves and getting to know each other, you know, and, and helping pick each other up, if it's in music or arts or just having daily conversation mm -hmm. that's how you make the world a better place you know at least you at least you try you know one way or another yeah but it was just you know it was it was it was uh it was a life it was a life-altering thing when to hear that you know it was just like you know and that's more worth than anything else in the world if somebody comes along and they're like i you know i had this day and this just made my day so much brighter that's priceless you can't you can't pay for that right you can't pay for that you yeah. know, and I mean, yeah, sorry, sorry to get dark. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was light, man. That was, that was uplifting. I, uh, I mean, even just on the way out here, you know, I'm a, I feel like I'm such a podcast addict these days. It's mm -hmm. taken up a lot of my bandwidth of listening time. I, mm -hmm. I, I've found that when I listen to music these days, uh, it's in a much more almost, utilitarian way like mm -hmm. i put a song on or i put a playlist on or it, it's almost like for a, for an effect mm -hmm. like if i'm gonna work out i'm putting on some 90s hip-hop because mm -hmm. it's gonna get me pumped i'm gonna get a little adrenaline mm -hmm. i'm gonna be able to run faster right. and i'm on the way out here today to come do this conversation with you and i put on your guys's album that i forget the name the 2021 one what's it called oh uh sunday afternoon sunday afternoon yeah. Next thing I know, I'm like in traffic. I'm slapping the outside of my car. I'm like, you know, just big grin on my face. And uh, I'm like, yeah, like I could have, you know, listened to a podcast and been in my head and in a certain way intellectual. That would have been nice too. But the it's something I've found in my life, like almost intentionally I'm choosing this kind of experience. I'm like coming back to... I don't know if I'm explaining this clearly, but like music has become something that's almost, it's almost like a drug or it's like something that I'm doing intentionally to have a feeling. But see, it's a good drug though. Yeah. See, and in the words of Frank Zappa, right. uh, music's the only religion that delivers the goods. Right. You know, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a good, like music's a good drug to have, you know, there's no side effects, you mm -hmm. know. You know, it's not gonna, well, you know, sweaty back and yeah, smiley face. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, but I mean, at the end of the day, you can always shower that off. You oh know yeah, I mean? but you still, it's still gonna be like, it's still gonna be like, at the end of the day, you can sit there and be like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. this, you know, and it's, 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 music is like food for the soul. You know, it's just like you eat a good meal, and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I got the itis. Oh, I'm asleep. <laughs> You know, and stuff like that. Uh -huh. You know, but other than other than that, it's like it, it feeds the soul. You know, and, and and in a really good way. You know, which is a great thing. You know, and I mean that's you know, but again, that's just my opinion on it. You know. So, Jimmy, mm -hmm. who's inspiring you right now? What artists out there are inspiring you right now? You know, I'll say one person that inspires me, even though she's not here. You know, and it'll be a year next month. Uh, the person that inspired me the most, my mother. Okay. She, she, my sisters, my grandmother. You know, those are the, the four women, and none of them are here. You know, um, 
officially an orphan now, but those women, because of the records that they played around me, influenced me, you know, it's like, to give kind of a, my oldest sister played a lot of classical music. You know, she listened to a lot of that and pop music, like, you know, Sidney Lauper, George Michael, Lionel Richie, that stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And then my mom was into like everything, you know, she loved country and Western. She's from Texas, you know, she, but she loved Motown. She loved Stax. She loved the blues, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, one minute I'm listening to uh, Patsy Cline or, you know, and stuff like that. And then, or Hank Williams, and then turn around and be like, oh, okay. Now I'm listening to uh, Marvin Gaye or I'm listening to The Temptations, big mm -hmm. Temptations fan she is, you know. But then she also liked Dave Matthews Band. And then she liked certain hip hop. She liked California Love by Tupac. But mm -hmm. she also Who liked. Who doesn't? <laughs> she, you know, and, and, you know, and stuff like that. She loved Outkast too, you know. So she listened to all different types of music. Uh, my middle sister was. Uh, the metal head of the family, but she was a huge Rush fan. Believe me, <laughs> I can almost name almost every record they ever did because she listened to it. She was a drummer, you know. She okay. she got into drums because she listened to Karen Carpenter because my mom loved the Carpenters a lot, and so Karen Carpenter is a beast on the drums. Oh if yeah, never seen any videos. I just saw one I heard the other day. She was like 18 mm -hmm. on TV. I feel like it's going around, but it was just like, yeah. I was like, she's got a I mean, pocket, man. She was shredding. Oh, yeah. No, singing I mean, not and just playing. just a beast of yeah. a singer, but yeah. she was a hell of a drummer, you yeah. know? And uh, that's, you know, and just being around that. Um, as far as artists today that I listen to, uh, I love Krogman. I do. I truly love those guys. You know, Mark Spears, I love that guy. I would love to meet that guy someday. Um, who else? Uh, I love Anderson Peck, what he's doing. Oh, man, I love, you know, I love that guy so much. That tiny desk, because I was watching. That's how I got um, figured out both of those people from being on Tiny Desk, you mm -hmm. know, and Krog being August 10. That's my, my tune of choice every time. But that record, that record is just fire. Silk Sonic. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, shout out to my friend Ella. Uh, who actually played on that album? Oh, really? Played on that Silk Sonic album, played guitar on that. Um, good friends with her, and uh, I love the uh, just the contrast between Bruno Mars. He's got this really super clean, bright tone mm -hmm. to his voice. The timbre is really nice, mm -hmm. and then you have that nice contrast. I love Anderson Pack's voice, like just mm -hmm. the texture of it, the little bit of rasp, right? And uh, you get those two together, and it's this really nice counterpoint. You oh know, yeah, the back and forth, and yeah, and, you know, they he's, are, they he's are some... like like you got Bruno kind of pulling it because he's got that pop master melody right. melodic kind of sense, and then you have Anderson who's a little more soul focused, kind of pulling it back into this gritty groove thing, mm -hmm. and that, so that whole album there's kind of like this interplay back and forth between these two masters mm -hmm. who were uh, you know putting their heads together and well yeah and Anderson Peck is a hell of a drummer too mm -hmm. like that's 16th you ever see him live I've never seen him live like I've only the only people I've seen live because I haven't really been out to too many shows but I mean I've seen Mal Rogers from Chic live I've seen Prince live once but that was on Good Morning America mm -hmm. uh, but the group I went to go see consistently out of I mean, for, you know, I'm, I'm always remain a huge fan, even though she 
um, passed away back in 2016, Miss Sharon Jones. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. All day, every day, you know, like. Jimmy, you got to tell you got to tell me the Miss Sharon Jones story. You told me at High Sierra. Oh, God. Okay. We got to get <laughs> that one on here. All right. So anybody goes on YouTube, you will find it if you put in Sharon Jones, Jimmy James. So first time I met her, I'll start from the top and then I'll, I'll yeah. go to that. First time I met her, I, I was before I met her, a friend of mine had like a CD of hers, Dap Dippin' with Sharon Jones and Dap Kings. I was like, who are these guys? You know, I was like, man, this must be from 1965. So I put it on. First thing I heard was got a thing on my mind. So I was like, man, they sound great. I love them. So I got into it. And I said, man, where is that? Where are they from? So I was like, oh, they're current. I said, no way. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're playing like that. They're like, oh, they are. And so a friend of mine told me, oh, they're coming to Seattle to play a show. And it was at the Chop Suey. I said, this I got to see. So my friend's like, man, I got a spare ticket. You want to come? I said, oh, yeah, I'm definitely coming to that one. You get there. They play the opening music. I was like, my jaw just dropped. I was like, Sharon ain't even got on stage yet. Sharon got up there. I was like, instantly fell in love with her right then. So I went backstage, and there was something I read in the paper before I even, you know, met them. I was like, Miss Jones, Miss Jones, <laughs> I, I like what you said in the paper. <laughs> and she's like, what's your name, Boopadoo? And I said, my name is Jimmy James. She's like, come over here. Boy, you are so sweet. I'm going to give you some sugar. And she, I was like... <laughs> Like, I, I don't care. I, I was sprung after that. I had a crush on her after that. Uh-huh. And let me tell you, every show she went to, I was dressed in a suit, had plucked every hair out of my face. I'm not going to lie. And put on the cologne, so. Savage. Savage. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be telling everybody that, but that's okay. Uh, so the night that she played at the Moore Theater, David, our drummer, he was there. And I said, man, I hope I, I can sit in with them because I was like, I always told friends, I was like, God, they would be one of my favorite bands. If I could ever sit in with them, I'd be happy. Talk about a pocket. Right. And and so I got to know them a little bit over the, you know, over the time with talk, because I love their music. I owned every record, still owned every record they ever made. So I said, uh, some friends had messaged her, which I wouldn't know until later. Hmm. It's like, oh Jimmy, it would be his dream to sit in. What I didn't know was they had already planned this, but I didn't know. So Skerrick was there playing, sitting in with Trouble and Shorty, who was open up for him. So I get to the front of the stage, right? She's like, somebody brought me flowers. And I was like this. I held the flowers <laughs> up like this. She's like, oh, oh, Jimmy, James, you brought me flowers. Come up here, baby. So I get up there. I'm shy as I always am because I always get nervous. Whenever she sings to me, uh, like one thing is for certain, I will melt like chocolate on a hot sunny day, <laughs> right? So she gets up there. She's like, "Oh, she's like, you look good. Oh, this is Jimmy James, right?" And so she's singing to me, right? She's and you're just singing. standing on stage. And I'm standing there with my hands in my pockets. My hands are sweating, mind you, right? She touches my face. I'm like, I'll get all giddy, you know? I'm like, <laughs> like I couldn't help myself, and so. She's like, they do the song, uh, it was Long Time, Wrong Time, as I recall. And she takes our earpiece. She's like, they're going, Long Time. And she's like, you know, Jimmy plays guitar. I'm like, oh, um, oh. And 
And I'm turning around. You can't see the expression on my face, but I'm looking at Joey's like, he hands, Joey Crispiano hands me the guitar. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't supposed to play. I don't know this one, dude. I haven't learned that album yet. I learned all the other ones. He's like, man, don't worry, man. You'll be fine. I was like, okay. So I turn around, I grab the guitar. I'm like sitting there, right? And I'm trying to two-step with him. So you'll, you'll yeah. see that. Two-step him. Doing that. And she's like, okay. It's like, give it to me. And all of a sudden, I was like, Okay, and I start playing immediately. I'm stepping and I'm nervous, but it doesn't look like it, but I am. And I'm just like, Ooh. that's that's how I know you're a pro. Well, here's the scary <laughs> thing: everybody I knew was out there. All the musicians, every fan of Sharon Jones, all of my friends were out there in the crowd. And David happens to have his camera. He's filming this, mind you. On his iPhone, he he got good sound quality because it sounds like it's real up close. Mm-hmm. And we play up there, and boy, when I was done, I grabbed that, I put that guitar back. I was so nervous. And she's like, and at the end, she said, she's like, it's Jimmy James. She's like, I knew that would catch him off guard. And 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 I was so nervous. And after the show, I must have, I could have, I could probably jumped as high as that pipe right there. And I was like, did I just? I asked David. I said, did I, did I play with my favorite band? <laughs> and then he's like, you did. I said, pitch me, because I don't believe this is true. This is not really happening. He's like, he's like, it did happen. I said, no, pitch me, pitch me, please. <laughs> this is not, I had dreamed about this, but this didn't happen. He's like, he went, I was like, oh, okay. All right, <laughs> it did happen. And I was jumping up, like, in the air, just ecstatic. And that was, yeah, that was, that was a big moment for me. And then a few months later, she had passed. So that was like the last, there was like a parting gift in a way, you know, mm-hmm. like I got to play with them. And I got a picture actually in my house from a show before that where I took a picture and, you know, she was really short and I'm tall. And so she's like, is this your friends? And so my friend on his iPhone took a picture of that one. It was April of, was it 2014? I think it was 2014 took the photo and next thing you know he took it and blew it up into a big photograph and he put it on in this big picture frame handed it to me he's like i know you'll cherish this and he gave it to me and i still have it on my mantle of sharon jones be like moving into her and she's mm-hmm. like smiling and with the microphone in her hand so i have that photo very happy on that photo. I keep that. I keep that around. Man, so, that's so beautiful. Sorry to go on a tangent there. Yeah, no. I mean, you you brought up Sharon Jones, and I was going to get excited. No, I knew it was going to yeah make your face light up. That <laughs> to this day, I think it's my favorite holiday album of all time. Oh yeah, the Christmas you know, album. Oh, yeah, yeah, Christmas Soul Holiday Soul Party. I think. Oh it's, yeah, yeah, and I got the poster of that too. Yeah, <laughs> no, the uh, was it "Ain't No Chimneys in the Projects" the first mm-hmm. song on that? That one. Crushes. I like I like uh, little drummer boy. Yeah, that's a great little that's drummer f- boy. Now that's that's you talk about pocket right there. That mm-hmm. I heard it like ding, 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 ding. You know, it's just like bum 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 bum. I was like, ooh, who took little drummer boy and did it like that? Right. That was like, like my two favorite Christmas albums. Well, I have to say my favorite Christmas albums would be that James Brown's Soulful Christmas and Kelly Finnegan's uh, Holiday album. Oh yeah. Which, and I, not only that, because I, 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 it was it was fun playing on it, which was really fun too. You know, he did Santa's Watching You, and I remember him giving me that track to play on, 
and I had fun playing on it. Not just playing on it, but I just it was it was a fun album, just fun song to do, you know, and stuff. But yeah. Did you guys do that at Transistor? Uh, no, I actually did that at a remote session. Okay. So they sent it to me, and I did it at a, a studio up in Seattle, and then sent it back to them. And Terry Copeland actually is playing bass on it. The, the CEO of of Copeland is playing bass on that really? track. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, but they're out of Oakland though. You know, hopefully, hopefully, I, I might run into one of them though. I think. I yeah, out of Marin, man. They got. I mean, tra- is Transistor still in Centerfell? We I did. Think, I think it's in, yeah. a, in Oakland or somewhere. I think it is. I, I, I mean, I think Kelly, he used to live here in Mill Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, we That album I was telling you about that I did with my band, we did at their studio oh, really? at Transistor in Centerfell. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he engineered the whole thing for us. And it was like, you know, I was a huge Monophonics fan. So it was oh, like yeah. trying to sit down and play. But, and like my one of my idols is like doing the tracking with us and it was oh, yeah. a it was a big moment, you know. I was like, I was aware of that I'm trying to play organ, and like one of my favorite organ players is like running the boards, you know. Oh yeah. And and uh, so I was like you were saying, I was very nervous, but then it also I think it's like a certain amount of that nervousness like will push you to perform, and it you can feel that the, the meaning, the feeling that was in the room mm-hmm. comes through, you know. Oh yeah, I ain't kidding. Kelly's a great guy. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I've been in the studio with him. Um, like, I remember we came, I came down here and did studio date with him. And, like, it was just, you know, it just, just wrote some stuff. It was like, let's see what happens. I mean, I, hopefully it'll be released. I don't know when, but, you know, it, you know, only time can tell. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's supposed to be right, it'll be released, you know, and then coming down to California once more. Uh, to work at Daptone for the Skull Cash Players album, working under Gabe, you know, and stuff like that. And I, I can notice the similar similarities between the two of working with them too, you know. And it's just like, you know, how, you know, and their wording is different, you know. You do a tune, you're like, okay, how's this go? Oh, that was nice. Yeah, okay, we got to do it better. All right. Oh, that was good. Okay, we still, we still got a ways to go. It could be better. And he's like, man, that was fantastic. Okay, that's the take, you know, stuff like that. But it's easy to work with, and I mean, you know, their approach to music and how they're into it, you know, and and just you know, when you're talking with cats who are like into the soul music and understand it, it's mm-hmm. just like, and it makes it just easier because you can pick from references like, oh man, you you're familiar with uh, the Delphonics, okay? You familiar with you know you familiar with uh, you know the Stylistics, or are you familiar with uh, Fame, you know, Fame Studios, or you and. You know, with cats like that, the same thing happens. I mean, I'm with all my, my good friends and your friends of friends of them as well. Uh, California Honey Drops. Love those guys. Shout out. Same. What's up, boys? Them guys. Amazing. Love those guys. Like, ever since the first time I met them, uh, that was years ago. Shoot, I'm old. Yeah, how'd you, how'd you meet the Honey Drops? That was about like a little over 10 years ago. That was one of the groups I was playing with called F2D was opening up for them at... Uh, the tractor, yep, that was the tractor. I remember, and I was sound checking, like I was sound checking with "People Get Ready" by Curtis Mayfield, and I was like, "Man, we played that one," and they were like, "Would you like to join?" You, you know that song? Of course I do. I'm a Curtis. The impressions, of course. He's like, "Would you want to play that with us?" And, and that's how we got to know each other from mm. that day on. Met on stage. Met on stage right then, and it was like we had our love of the impressions. And that's how we got to know. I got to know Lorenzo Lesh, 
um, you know, everybody in the group, mm -hmm. Ben, you know, and uh, and it was just, yeah, and, and just with soul music in general, it's like you could talk, we could talk each other's ears off about that for hours. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Kelly, same thing with Gabe, and yeah, they all know that the knowledge is deep. The knowledge is deep, and that's like that's until like five a.m. in the morning talking oh, about that sure. stuff, oh. you know, because it's like. Oh man, you heard this? Oh, have you heard this record? Oh, check this record. Well, check. Oh, you heard that record? Oh, well, you gotta check it. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then we'll be like, okay, listen to that. Oh, I dig that. What's that name of that record? Okay, uh, I'm gonna take that one. What's that record? For sure. What's that record you playing? Oh, I need to know that one. You know. And, oh yeah, becoming friends with the Honey Drops was was realizing that all my deep cuts were played out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like all the things that I thought were like my rare grooves. And it's like, oh, I've been listening to that for years. Like, check right. this out. And I'm like, oh, this is like, there's like this level of uh, sophistication of people that have like really dove in into these old recordings. And right. like, I know Lesh is like someone that has gone and like almost like mined these rare B sides that like found right. some rare obscure album. And there's, you know, you hear it in their music. Oh yeah. You know, if you do dive into that world, you're gonna come up across a trumpet line, and that's happened to me before. I'm like. That's where he got it. You know, it's like some right. obscure little half measure riff. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's in, you know, one of my favorite Honey Drop songs. You know, of course, it's evolved. It's changed. It's gone right. through the Lesh filter. But yeah. uh, but the, the the knowledge is deep, man. Oh, yeah. It's just like, I remember they like would put out songs like, hey, man, do you know, can I change my mind? I'm like, Tyrone Davis? Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. What can you do it in? I play in this, I play in this group. He's like, well, we do it in this key. I said, like, oh yeah, I know that tune. And like, okay, you know that one. Uh, There's a hole in the bucket, right? Just <laughs> one. And like, you know this too. Oh yeah. And then they hit me to, uh, I'm in love. Uh, the Wilson Pickett version, of course, Bobby Womack did it. Aretha mm -hmm. did it, and you know, but more familiar with the Wilson Pickett version, you know. And you know, every time I see them or you know, or get up to do other tunes, do broke down, you know, and. Did them live at the Mainer, you know, on Electric Sitar, which was fun. Oh, that's right. Electric you were part Electric. of that session. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. And, you know, and uh, we did one other tune. What was it? Uh, was it who was it by? Uh, yes, I'm Ready by Barbara Mason when we did that one. And then her son had heard it and I think brought it to her attention. Mm -hmm. And she was really happy that we had covered that tune. That's awesome. And I was like, oh, yeah, Barbara Mason I grew up hearing that, you know, and you just hear this stuff. And then with, uh, uh, the late, um, what's his name? Hughes, Hughes. He did, um, was it not Jimmy Hughes, was it? No, 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 no. Why am I drawing a blank? Sorry. They, <laughs> we did, we did, we did, uh, gotta keep my bluff in and all that stuff that we did that. And I mean, he passed away and found out. But I mean, we, we did one of those songs. They hadn't played that song since like the 60s, I think he said. So he wanted us to, we had to do it in a different key. Mm. And so we played it and he heard it. And he's like, hey, y'all played it. And he came up to me. He's like, boy, you played like that guitar player that played in the studio when we first did that. He's like, but he didn't like he didn't want to do the bass line the same way it was on the record. He's like, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, do what you do. And then they played, we played at uh, what was it? At the Fillmore. Okay. You know, and did that show. And that was really fun, you know, playing with them guys. You know? Yeah, that was I was at those shows. Those those were yeah. Those were cracking. Hey, Ryan, sorry, do you mind hitting just okay on that screen real quick? Is it still, we're still rolling? Not sure. Uh, okay. We're also at 59 minutes. Okay. Will you just...
toggle that for me? If we're out of space, then might we can just because uh, I know you got to get to your show pretty soon. But I, I would like to do like a we want to wrap it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, no um, I'll put I can oh, put I another card in there. I thought there was two in there. Maybe I forgot to. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I sorry I could go on a tangent forever. <laughs> oh man, that's, that was. You're at that Sharon's. That Sharon story was great. Yeah, that was awesome. No, I knew Jimmy that if I got you going, that it was episode's gonna make itself. Also, by the way, AJ's Annika is the first song. On, That's the one <laughs> on holiday soul party. That's right. Right. Ain't no shame in the project. Something number two. Something number two. You're right. But the eight days of Hanukkah. Yeah. So ain't no chimneys in the projects. Ain't no chimneys in the projects. Yeah. Oh yeah, Sandra and Star. I remember because they sang all that backup for them, and then they came to Timberfest, and we ended up. Uh, Chulas ended up backing them up when they came to town because we we hadn't seen them since Sharon passed and we did that show and so we ended up performing some of her songs and then they came back for a KXP thing mm -hmm. that KXP invited them and Gabe called us up he says I got a I got a request for you guys and I said what's that he's like I trust you guys with the true loves that you guys will do this right we're like okay what anything Mr Roth what, what would you like he's like I want you guys to cover the song Rumors off the Soul of a Woman album off of Sharon Jones' last record. Knowing Sharon was never going to do that song because she had passed before that album was finished. And so she, he said, I, I want to have you guys, you know, do it. And we rehearsed it and got it done just the way she, you know, the way it had. And once we ran over that song, I think everybody, you know, we got into tears after that. Just being a perfectionist. Um, so Jimmy, mm -hmm. you may have already you may have already found it, mm -hmm. but I like to ask my guest this question. Okay. What is your holy grail? And as far as guitars? As far as life, art, love, music, you know, let's let we can we can talk about musically or, or creatively. What, what's your holy grail? You know, I, I will, I, before I get to the guitars, I will, you know, my inspiration, and it always has been, you know, I, I'll say it again, my mother and my sisters, my grandmother, they're, 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 they're their spirits is what's riding on my back, you know, their mm -hmm. name, I'll try not to cry here, sorry. Um, but uh, that, um, musically, blues is always my root, you know. Mm -hmm. That's where my roots are from, you know. Um, with the soul music and rhythm and blues and stuff like that. Um, does this also include guitars? Sure. Okay. Um, Whatever, you Whatever you want it to, to be, man. Uh, the guitars would be the silver tone and the white strat, you know, and stuff like that, you know. And that's just... You know, and all those, you know, and my mother was the one who got me, again, as I mentioned before, the the, the white guitar. And, um, you know, but my mom being, you know, the biggest loss of my life, you know, more than anything, um, she, 
you know, if it wasn't for her, you know, a lot of times she was the one who, ooh, try not to cry. <laughs> Sorry. It's all um, good, man. Um, she was the one who always, you know, pushed, like, whenever I, I would doubt myself, you know, sorry. Um, when I would doubt myself, she'll always be the one to be like, you need to take a leap of faith, you know? And uh, she's like, you can't be scared forever, you know? And and I said, but mom, I said, I don't know if I'm as strong as you. You know, she's like, you're the strong one. You just don't know it yet. I said, mom, how? You know, how can I be as, you know, I mean, you, you look who, Look what you've done, you know. And she's like, but she's she's like, you, you don't know unless you try. You can look back on it and say, you know what, if you mess up, you mess up. But at least you don't regret it. At least you can say, you know what, I went out there and I did it. But you don't know. You don't know. The world is a big place. Life is short. Go out there and try it. She's like, I was scared like that. She's like, don't do what I did. Do better than what I did. I said, you know, she's like, I said, I don't know what I'm doing. Most of us don't. That's what experience is for. You don't learn nothing unless you go through these struggles. If you didn't go through the struggle, you wouldn't learn anything. I said, Mom, <laughs> I said, Mom, with all you know, you should have wrote a book, you know, on life. And she's like, man, she's just like, you know, she's like, well, you will learn this and you will learn it throughout time. Sounds like she did the book of Jimmy right here. Well, she just, you know, and it's just, <laughs> you know, and I, I miss her dearly. You yeah. know, like the, every moment I breathe on this planet, I miss her because there's so many things I just like to ask her. But, you know, she said, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. She told me that shortly before she passed. She's like, I'm not going to be here forever, you know. So you're going to have to learn how to do these things. It's not, life is not going to be easy. It's not the failures. It's not really much about failures because what you do is you learn from the good and you learn from the bad. You learn what to do next time and what not to do next time. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And it's like, we're always good. We, we make mistakes. We're human. You know, we're not perfect. But we learn from our mistakes, you know, and then you learn back. And, and we don't know why these things happen. Like, she always used to tell me this. She's like, we everything happens for a reason. We sometimes don't know why. But it, it teaches us something. Maybe you won't learn it right away, but later on you will. And you look back and say, oh, this made me stronger. This made me learn something. Yeah. You know, and it it makes you, you know, what makes humans resilient. And. Well, now also, you know, I think that's the. This is my why you should study music or why you should study art pitch mm -hmm. uh, by developing a creative outlet mm -hmm. as you yourself have done. It's like you're going to be OK. Whatever life throws at you. Mm -hmm. You have the mechanism to right. make sense out of it and to, you know, you take that experience, whether it's pain, pleasure, joy, sadness, mm -hmm. and you get to weave that through your soul into your art. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what you do, your mom, through her intuition, set you up on this path where you're going to be all right. You got the, you got everything you need to be all right. And no matter what life throws at you, it's going to be, you're going to weave it in the pocket. You know, it's going to, it's going to end up, it's going to end up, uh, you know, I, th I think, you know, artists are, are the greatest feelers. Mm -hmm. Our role is to get in there. We feel, and mm -hmm. then we try to share that feeling. And, uh, you yeah, know, she, she just, she just, 
she always just knew what to say, you know? Like, you know, everybody who ever, you know, when they were at her funeral, same thing, everybody said the same thing about her, was just like, you know, like, she would meet people and then, you know, you'd come back a changed person, you know? Everybody who ever, you know, people who showed up at her funeral, there was a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And she had a full house and people were there, like people I didn't even know were there. And she said, you know, your mom, gave me advice on this and I'm a better person because of it. Or somebody else said, oh, I learned from her and, and I'm, you know, I'm alive today because your mom, you know, and I'm like, wow, you know, and she not, people basically said on the podium, they said, she didn't only mother you, she mothered everybody she came in contact with. You know, she had that gravitational pull. Once you got in her orbit, you couldn't, you couldn't back away because mm-hmm. now she's going to give you some advice. She wouldn't preach to you. She'd just give you advice and say, you know, you can take whatever you want from that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, is she always she always mentioned to me at the same time in the world, you know, if you see somebody down and they need help, help somebody along the way. Mm-hmm. Bless somebody like you've been blessed, you know? What was her name? Marie. Well, rest in name. peace, Queen, Queen of the Sea is Queen in French. And wow. uh, she would... She, and that's what everybody said about her was just she would do that and right know, on man you know but that's that's I learned a lot from her you know I learned a lot from her and my sisters and you know I wish you know if, if I had my wish and I could have them back oh they would be here you know and there's no doubt about it and I'd be I'd be a happy person you know mm-hmm. so well uh, I'm sure you carry carry them along with oh, you all the time and, all the uh, time every day Hey, I just want to say thank you so much for coming oh, on, man. Thanks. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And we're about to go, you know, you're about to go play a show. And just before we go, are there any, like, I know you guys are on this tour. Are there any dates you guys want to plug or where can people see uh, you? They can they can go to our page, um, truelovesband.com. Okay. Um, you can also find us, True Loves Band, on uh, Instagram. Um, you can find... Um, True Love's uh, Facebook. <laughs> you can yeah. find us there. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Jimmy Scratch James. I'm up there too. So and Spotify, you know, of course. Spotify. As well. You know, we're all on Spotify. All that stuff. Color Red. You know, and stuff like that. So you can find that and many other different things that I'll be doing. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know what they are yet, but uh-huh. I'll, I'll figure it out though. Hell yeah, bro! Yeah. Well, until the next time. Right. Thanks Thank for you. thanks for coming Thank you on for the podcast. Me on. Appreciate you. Oh, thanks. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We love you. Uh, peace. All right. Thanks. Dude, thanks, man.